Slot for stopping by. I'm really glad to have this man back. It's Alex Trayman. He's the CEO and uh, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate. It's uh, JNS. He's in Jerusalem right now. Alex, how are you? Good to see you again. Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, by the way. Thank you. Same to you. Yeah, there are arguments that are happening over that section of the world, the Middle East, over Israel, which has historically been there almost 4,000 years. And the argument is that the Jews stole the land from the Palestinians. Now, you and I both know there was never a Palestine. There was never a country called Palestine. Even biblical Philistine isn't really the same people because the people that we're talking about are Egyptian or Jordanian. They're not even a Palestinian people. And I say that with all confidence because I read it somewhere. But I want to talk to somebody who's there. Alex, can you tell me why there's some sort of a brain separation with people who seem to think that suddenly the Jews showed up killed everybody and took Palestine. Why is that a a functionally working narrative? People in this country, probably half of them, believe that to be true. Well, I think that's because you have a a culture of uh, victimhood that you're tra- and a pressure and oppressor that you're trying to install uh, in the United States, where people are always looked, you know, either as the oppressor as the victim. And uh, you know, unfortunately for Jews who have been living uh, contiguously in the land of Israel for over 2,000 years and have their roots in in the Bible, uh, the Jews have refused to be victims. So after the Holocaust, Jews decided they weren't going to be victims anymore. And and they were going to go to America and be successful, or they were going to come to Israel and build a a state and be able to defend themselves that what happened uh, was perpetrated by the Nazis in World War II would never be perpetrated against the Jewish people again. Uh, And so because the Jewish people decided they wouldn't be victims, well, the only other choice is to be oppressors. Um, And even though so if you look at any map of the Middle East and North Africa, you could see uh, that Muslims control uh, 22 nations and, and uh, vast uh, land, uh, swaths of land. And Israel's just this tiny little state yeah. right there in the middle. But still, uh, somehow or another, is Israelis and, and Jews in general have, have turned into the oppressors instead of the victims. It is uh, Alex Trayman. He's coming to us from Jerusalem today. It blows my mind to see people protesting Christmas. Can you imagine people protesting Ramadan or Eid? Can you imagine protesting the march to Mecca? You're not allowed to. You can't say anything. You can't do anything. But you can throw Palestinian flags on Christmas trees in the United States. You can continuously send rockets into Israel and thank God for the Iron Dome. And nobody says anything about it. it, it to me, it's the strangest thing. But you know what's really telling to me, Alex? And I wonder if you can pontificate on this a little bit. When the king of Jordan says, we're not taking any Palestinians, when Egypt says, we're not taking any Palestinians, that tells the world something, doesn't it? Well, I think for Jordan and Egypt, you can understand why they're not going to take any Palestinians. Uh, you know, Jordan is already a Palestinian majority country. And people don't understand this. They accuse Israel of some kind of apartheid. Palestinians are the majority in Jordan. About 60% of the population of Jordan is Palestinian. Uh, obviously, the king of Jordan is not a Palestinian, although he married a Palestinian. Right. Uh, and he doesn't want uh, his country overrun with more Palestinians because that would that would uh, 
harm his hold on the country. Right. Also in Egypt, you know, they have many domestic problems. They understand that if Palestinians would race into uh, into Egypt, that they would further destabilize the country and they would actually use Egypt as a, their nest of terror instead of using Gaza and having it be Israel's problem. So you can understand why those two countries don't want Palestinians. But what about all the other countries that seem to care so much about Palestinians? Meanwhile, you've got the two million Gazans that are trapped that are not allowed to flee a war zone, which should be considered a basic human right. right. And, and all these countries around the world that are so self-righteous don't want to help even a single Palestinian. So you have to ask, do they care about Palestinians or are they just using these Palestinians as a lever against the state of Israel? Yeah, and, and it's a rhetorical question. I mean, obviously, the answer is right there. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Alex, we've got people who are literally saying Jesus was a Palestinian. They're literally saying Netanyahu is Hitler. The whole thing is so bizarre to me. I'm glad you brought up the Holocaust. Not that I'm glad there was a Holocaust, but nobody talks about the six million Jews that were exterminated just because of their mother being Jewish. Nobody talks about that. It's as if it never happened. And you've got 2.2 million people in Gaza. And those people somehow are more important than the history of Israel being right exactly geographically where it is today. Again, there's some sort of weird brain separation that you and I are just speaking facts. I'm not some Zionist. You're not some Zion. We're not some let's go commit genocide on people. We're just a couple of guys that want to say, okay, let's historically talk about what happened. Hitler killed a bunch of people for no reason. The U.N. said, yeah, Israel should have its land back. Why is there an argument? Not only that, but after the state of Israel was founded within three years, the entirety of Jewish populations across the Middle East and North Africa were all forcibly expelled from their countries. 800,000 plus uh, Jews were forcibly expelled from Iran, from Iraq, from Syria, from Egypt, from Yemen, from Morocco. Uh, and the only country that absorbed them was the state of Israel. So Muslim countries have no problem ethnically cleansing Jews from their territory. Uh, you know, but uh, th that part of the history is, is not uh, is not taken into account. I mean, this was this was 80 years ago. Okay? It's, it's not like it happened that long ago. Right. It's a uh, CEO of in Jerusalem, bureau chief of the JNS, the Jewish News Syndicate, Alex Trayman, coming to us from uh, from Jerusalem. Alex, I don't understand the religious argument. And here's what I mean. Israel and Jews have been, have existed, as I said, I don't know, 3,500, 4,000 years, something like that, in the same place, the same land, the whole deal. Islam came about in about 600 A.D. And, and so it's reasonably new compared to Judaism, certainly. It's newer than Christianity. So what is the, the so-called religious argument? As you said, if you look at a map from 30,000 feet up, there's a little speck, and that's Israel. Everything else is, is Muslim, whether it's North Africa, the Middle East, Asia, whatever, it's all Muslim. So what is the religious argument? They just have to have everything? Well, first of all, I mean, the, the whole religion of Islam, it, it's all taken off of the Jewish narrative, right? If they believe that they're the children of uh, Ishmael, well, Ishmael was the son of Abraham. Where's that whole story come from? That story comes from the Bible. You know, the, the Muslims, they have two holidays here. One is called uh, Eid al-Adha. That is the holiday that they celebrate when Abraham took his son Ishmael and uh, was going to, to sacrifice him uh, on the holy place and that's the exact same story that comes in the Torah except the difference right. is it's not Ishmael it's it's Isaac okay so they and that's their holiday okay so the the whole the whole narrative is a perversion of Judaism but the thing is that in in the Islamic culture that any lands that have ever been held by Muslims are then therefore Muslim forever
So, you know, they don't there's no idea that once the Muslims control a place that they can give it back to the Jews. Not to mention that when Jews lived in all those Muslim countries, as we talked about before, they were dimmy which is a second-class citizen. And so the idea that a second-class citizen will come and take lands that used to belong to, to Muslims and control it, it just doesn't work according to Islam. And, and Westerners, they don't understand what Islam is. They don't understand what the Middle East is. And, and they just try to project their Western view on the conflict and just think, well, you know, if you have two parties that they can compromise and, and everybody can reach a, a negotiated settlement. That's just not how things work in this neighborhood. It's uh, it's it's so strange to understand to wrap your brain around because there there will be people who watch or listen to this interview thinking that we're a couple of guys on the same side, and we are. We're a couple of guys on the side of history. We're a couple of guys. I certainly you know see Israel as the Holy Land as a Christian, and I know that Israel protected the holiest spot of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And you guys could have gotten rid of any sort of Islamic you know, uh, indication in Israel anytime you wanted, like the the Taliban did in Afghanistan. Got rid of all history. You didn't do that. And Instead, you protect it. And Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, before the attacks of October 7th, Palestinians could go into Israel, couldn't they? Well, it depends. Like uh, you have uh, first you have Palestinians living in different in different ways inside Israel. First, like in the city of Jerusalem, where I live, you have 250,000 residents and uh, they can move freely inside and outside of Israel. If you go into Judea, Judea and Samaria, which is commonly known as the West Bank, so those residents can't move freely into parts of Israel that are not in Judea and Samaria unless they have special permit to do so, and many of them do. Uh, when it comes to Gaza, uh, you were you only had about 10,000 Gazans who had a permit to work inside of Israel. So no, they weren't able to come into Israel, and the reason why is because, is because uh, Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip in 2005, a complete right. withdrawal, both civilians and military, and Gaza was the pilot project for the independent Palestinian entity, and they were supposed to set up their own economy. Uh, and instead of building, uh, you know, a, a beautiful, a beautiful strip of land on the Mediterranean, they turned it into a haven for terrorism. Well, the reason why I asked that question is the the whole allegation is that it's an open air prison. And from what I understand, of course, you can't go to Jordan and Egypt because they don't want you. But I thought that people who lived in Gaza could go to, to Israel. But I also knew that Israelis could not go into Gaza or into any other Palestinian-held territory. I, I, I felt it was unfair, or out of balance at least, that some could roam, others could not. Jews are not welcome anywhere. In fact, if, you, if I go to Israel tomorrow... I have to ask them not to stamp my passport or else I can't go to anywhere else in the Middle East. And that's just accepted. It's very strange. But you're saying the Palestinians literally could not go. So I mean, when they say it's an open-air prison, is there any truth to that? Well, in addition to the border that they have with Israel, they also have a seven-mile border with Egypt. You know, right. and so the, the court, But nobody blames Egypt for not allowing Palestinians to go in and out. Right. They only blame Israel for that, you know, and it's a, you know, they, on the one hand, they want their independence to, and, and they tell us, okay, well, you get out of the area. So you can't, it, you know, when, that, when Israel's inside the area, like they are in Judea and Samaria, they can police the area and they can make sure that it, that the terror doesn't metastasize in the area. Right. And once that happens, then you can have more of the free flow of travel of, of civilians. But when you say that the military can't be in the place to police it, so then you're saying, well, just give them their own land and then you just build a nice fence between you and them and you leave them alone and they leave right. you alone. 
Right. The only problem is that even if you have that fence, they don't leave you alone. They fire rockets, uh, they build tunnels, they infiltrate, they break through the fence, and they commit the type of uh, atrocity that they committed on October 7th. You know, and, and they've tried to do October 7th before, and they've said that they would try to do October 7th again. So, you know, this this whole concept of, of just giving them their own land and expecting that they'll be good neighbors on the other side of the fence is a failed uh, a failed uh, paradigm. And and instead, the Israelis now understand that they the Israeli military needs to be inside that place. Uh, and that might actually allow for the freer flow of uh, of civilians to move in and out for economic reasons. And that actually does make sense the way that you spell it out. It's the CEO of the in Jerusalem bureau chief of the Jewish news syndicate, Alex Treyman. He's coming to us from Jerusalem. I know that Arabs, Muslims, Christians, Jews, all can be in Israel. I guess specifically the Palestinians from Gaza, I understand why there would be restrictions. Obviously, there's a lot of hate there, and there's a lot of violence that comes from there. What, what, what bothers me the most about the entire thing is the whole river to the sea thing. The river to the sea, because you've got people on this side of the pond, like Rashida Tlaib, who are pretending that just means, no, 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 we just want Palestinians to be free in that area. Um, what? No, from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine will be free, means Israel can't exist, right? I mean, that's what we all understand. That's what it means, right? Absolutely. You know, people think that uh, the natural solution to this conflict needs to be a two-state solution. Not that Israelis think that there needs to be a two-state solution. But when you talk about from the river to the sea, you're not talking about a two-state solution. You're talking about a one-state solution that's a full Palestinian state with a Jewish state no longer existing. Now, I think most Americans that say from the river to the sea, they can't tell you that that's the Jordan River. And they can't tell you that that's the Mediterranean Sea. And they might not even be able to find Israel on a map. And they certainly don't know which parts of Israel are inhabited by Jews and which parts are inhabited by Palestinians. Uh, but they don't want there to be a Jewish state in the land of Israel. It is uh, Alex Treyman coming to us from Jerusalem. If if Hamas were to surrender, and I, this is really important because people keep lying about this, that there's some genocide. You just want to kill all the Palestinians. By the way, Israel could wipe uh, Gaza off the map tomorrow if they wanted to, so that's not really what's going on. But, but let me ask you a very specific question. If Hamas were to surrender today, would Israel stop bombing Gaza? Yes, they would stop bombing Gaza today. Isn't it that simple, Alex? Why are we all playing games like there's something else going on? They just want Hamas because that's the bad guy. Well, they they just don't want Jews. I mean, I don't I don't think they even consider how bad is Hamas. But they just think that the enemy of the Jewish people must be good. The, the, the Jews have stolen the land, and therefore any behavior is uh, is justified. You know, and this is this is what they think. Unfortunately, uh, yes. If if Hamas would return the hostages, if Hamas would cease to 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 fire rockets on Israel and say the the war is over, Israel would, would have a ceasefire, as Israel has agreed to ceasefires numerous times, and in every single occasion after a ceasefire Hamas when they decide they're ready they break the ceasefire so there's not going to be a ceasefire this time until Hamas ceases to exist as a as a governing organization and as a military organization the website is jns.org go there and check out everything he does it's Alex Treyman one last question about politics in Israel I know that the president is a lefty and the prime minister is a righty and people are saying that Netanyahu is not going to survive this because uh, we should have known something. Let me just, just politically speaking, how, how do Netanyahu and uh, I, I forget the, the president's name now. Isaac Herzog. Uh, Herzog. H- how do they survive this? Do they? Uh, is, is there a term limit? Are they both running again? I don't even know what the president does. I thought the prime minister was the guy. So, yeah. But politically, what happens? 
Well, the president is mostly a ceremonial position, and uh, they they have a seven-year term, and, and I don't think anybody holds the president are responsible because they're not really in charge of the security. It's it's kind of a diplomatic and a ceremonial position, kind of akin to the monarchy in the UK uh, today, where it represents power, but they're not really running the affairs of the state. For Netanyahu, I mean, he, as the elected prime minister, his number one responsibility should be to provide safety and security for the residents of the country. And obviously, there was a massive failure in intelligence leading up to October 7th. There was also a failure of response on October 7th when you had terrorists running around literally savagely murdering people right. uh, for you know, seven, eight, nine, ten hours across southern Israel without uh, the type of formidable response that you would expect uh, from the Israeli military and security forces. Um, will he survive this? Well, obviously, there's a, a number of people here in Israel that didn't wanted him to resign before October 7th. Uh, right. So obviously, those that wanted him to resign before October 7th certainly hope that in the aftermath of October 7th that he would step down. Uh, he's indicated that he has no intention of stepping down. And, and I think that uh, whether he survives really depends on how this war goes. Uh, you know, so far, it looks like uh, Israel's doing tremendous damage inside the Gaza Strip and going towards their goals of dismantling Hamas. Uh, but for Israelis, it's not only Hamas. We feel we have the same threat on the northern border with Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. So we have to see where this war goes. You know, if Israelis think that at the end of the war that Netanyahu, yes, he failed leading up to October 7th, but if he if he succeeded in after October 7th and removed the threat of Hamas from Gaza, removes the threat of Hezbollah from southern Lebanon and potentially even takes this war to the source of the terror octopus in the Middle East, which is Iran, uh, there's definitely the possibility that he could survive politically. Very, very interesting to watch it. Uh, Alex, God bless you. God bless you and your family. Stay safe. I appreciate you coming on. Go to JNS.org. He's the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate, Alex Trayman. Alex, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Joe. Hi, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. It's always an honor to be able to go overseas and talk to somebody actually in Israel. I wanted to get some history out of that interview, and I think we got some history out of that interview. I wanted to know what the prime minister and the president do separately, and I think we found out exactly what they do. One is more of a figurehead. One is actually the guy who's in charge, and the guy in charge is the prime minister, Netanyahu. It's not uh, Herzog who's the president. Much more to come on the Joe Pag Show this week. We've got all sorts of great shows lined up for you. Go to Rumble tonight, rumble.com slash Joe Pags, if you want to watch anything that you happen to miss. Appreciate you stopping by. That is Polo. That is Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.